Good morning, everybody. Hey, Robert. Special welcome to any visitors we have today. Robert, I'll let you do your mad minute right now. Or your... <laughs> Good morning, everybody. Uh, we're three weeks in counting to the new year and to a new schedule here at WCC where we'll transition to one worship service at 930 and one church-wide Sunday school hour. That's everybody, kids and adults, everybody that we're talking to here. Um, and I'm going to address two things this morning. First, parking. We, we did our parking study, and we know there's plenty of parking for us to go from two services down to one so that everybody can park fine. But you know what? Jesus taught us to be servants, didn't he? He taught us to think differently. And I'm asking you, dear folks, we got to think a little differently about parking because our inclination, I think, is first take the first open space that's closest to the door, right? That's how we all think. But you know what? That'll leave some perimeter areas that are, you know, the furthest away from the door. That'll make those areas, you know, kind of open. So here's the map of our property right now. And you can see by the the, uh, oval areas that I've got some oval areas here. Those are the areas kind of furthest from here from our main entrance and then those over here from the uh, back entrance or the kitchen entrance. You know, so we're kind of asking you folks, hey, if you're able, would you think like Jesus and park in the furthest spot? Because if we all park from the furthest spot toward the front of the building, there'll be lots of spaces for our guests who are going to be coming and for other folks who are unfamiliar just where to park. So please consider that. If you're able, start thinking of parking at the back, just like Jesus would, and then start working toward the front of the building. Now we've added 10 handicap spaces. We have total of 20 handicap spaces. Those are the H's that you see here. These are new handicap spaces. So of course, those folks with the handicap stickers or placards, you get the closest parking anyway, and we've doubled our spaces for that. So consider, if you're a usual here at WCC, um, try picking these handicap that are here at the back entrance or the north kitchen entrance. They are actually closer than the handicap spaces in the front. And our guests are never going to find the ones here at the north. They just won't. So if you, if you need handicap parking, these are actually closer at the north entrance. Secondly, when we go to church-wide Sunday school, all of us as adults going into to, to learning and drawing closer to Jesus, just like our kids will be in the same classes during that same time period, we've got two really special of our nine venues. One of them is going to be led by uh, Jeremy Stevens, our youth leader right now. The other one by Forrest and Sadie Sanfilippo. They are parents of kids who are going to be in Sunday school. So for all of you parents who have kids in Sunday school right now, we hope you sign up. Venue six and venue nine in the foyer are especially for parents whose kids will be in Sunday school at 11 o'clock too. So if you've got any questions, I'll see you in the back after worship today. Thanks, Robert. So, uh, Warsaw Community Church exists, you know, to bring uh, creative and meaningful worship to our Lord. That's uh, what we're going to do a little bit here. And uh, also to discover and uh, develop disciples for Jesus Christ. And that's uh, the idea behind the Sunday school that we have starting uh, in January. Having a couple of announcements about the Women's Bible Study led by Stephanie Wolfgang. It's changed its location. It's now on the lower level, room 100 in the rock room. 
Adult Singles Fellowship Luncheon is today after second service at noon at the Lakeshore Restaurant. There's another opportunity to carol with us next Saturday at Silver Lake Manor in Heartland House. You can see the bulletin for the details on that. There'll be one Christmas Eve service at 5.30, one Christmas Day service at 10.30. Time change starting this 1st of January. Service will start at 9.30. This is all the is it benevolence Sunday, so we have a benevolence off offering uh, after service after the guys will be in the back there. And, uh, I'd like to thank everybody that uh, prayed for me this past week. I had a couple of simple surgeries on my wrist, and uh, God answered my prayer and your prayer because everything's good. Uh, I did have a personal prayer the last couple of months is uh, has been to uh, love Jesus more. And uh, I really don't know how to do that. Uh, I've been working on it. But I tell you, when I had this uh, surgery, it was no pain at all. There's no pain in the surgery. Just have nothing. But I was able to look at my wrist and uh, I think about the crucifixion of my, my Lord. And I couldn't imagine having some nails driven through my wrist. So it, uh, it's just more meaningful to me, the, the crucifixion of our Lord, what he went through for my sin. So I do think that I, I love him more because of what he did and what I what I feel. I just I haven't had much pain in my life. But I talked to my granddaughter the other day on FaceTime, and Kate uh, says, uh, Grandpa had surgery, so I held to my rest. And the uh, first thing she said, oh, you like Jesus. Well, Amber's kind of a doubting Thomas right now. So I, I hope that uh, she thinks about Jesus. She's mentioned his name, and I hope that she... Uh, thinks about the suffering that he did for her. But uh, that's all my news. Thanks again for all your prayers and well wishes. Ushers, come forward. Praise you, Father God. God, we do, we do want to love you more, Father. We ask uh, that you would help us to focus our minds on worship today, that we would uh, worship from our heart, and in the spirit, Father. We also lift up uh, Ray Bosveld, or Ellis Bosveld and his wife and the work that they're doing for your glory. Uh, just the time that they're taking away from uh, what they were doing and, and working for you, Father. We, we thank you for the opportunity that we have to support them. And we ask that they be blessed and all their financial uh, things taken care of and their, their health maintained, Father. We lift up our gifts to you today. We pray that they would be used for your glory and that the name of Jesus would be spread because of it. In Jesus' name I pray. We, we are the Chamberlain family and we're going to be presenting your the Advent reading for today. Malachi 4, 1 through 2. Surely the day is coming. It will burn like a furnace. All the arrogant and every evildoer will be stubble. And the day that is coming will set them on fire, says the Lord Almighty. Not a root or a branch will be left to them. But for you who revere my name, the Son of Righteousness will rise with healing in its rays, and you will go out and frolic like well-fed calves. Last week in our reading from the Jesus Storybook Bible, we heard the message Isaiah gave to God's people, the nation of Israel, in exile. Today's story comes from the time when God's people were able to return to the land. Ezra and Nehemiah read to the people from God's rules to Moses. But something strange happened. Here's how it goes. 
As Ezra read the Book of Rules, it worked like a mirror. The people saw that he, they had not been living the way they should. They saw that they were cruel and selfish. We've blown it, they cried. Now God will punish us. They thought they knew what God was going to do, but they didn't. Ezra looked at God's children. Great hot tears were welling up in their eyes and streaming down their cheeks. He stopped his sermon mid-sentence and shut the book. We're having a party, he shouted, and so that's what they did all week. All day they listened to stories about the wonderful things God had done for his people, how he made the world, how he gave a special promise to them, how he rescued them, no matter what, time after time, over and over again, because of his never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love. They remembered how God had always, all through the years, been loving his children. Even when they disobeyed, even when they ran away from him, even when they thought they didn't need him. Then God told his children something more. I am coming back for you. I am like the sun that gently shines on you. Chasing away darkness and fear and death, you'll be so happy. You'll be like little cats running free in an open field. I'm going to send my messenger the promised one, the one you have been waiting for, the rescuer. He is coming, so get ready. It had taken centuries for God's people to be ready, but now the time had almost come for the best part of God's plan. God was getting ready to wipe away every tear from every eye. The true party was just about to begin. Please pray with me. Father God, the time when we remember the birth of your Son is drawing close. We praise and thank you, God that we get to see the fulfillment of what you promised the people of Israel so long ago. Jesus crushed the serpent and will do it again. Jesus rescues us from our sin and one day will remove our sin completely. We joyfully remember all you have done. Amen. Good to have you here this morning and um, good to be in God's house. I have just a couple of announcements. One is something new, new that's in the back of your seat. It's called a connection or connect card. And um, uh, the big thing for me, this is, this is a help for me, is that if you have a prayer request, um, put it on there, and you can put either public or private, and then sometimes you get used to these. These will be in the back of the seat every Sunday. You can fold that and drop it in the offering plate, or there's a box out in the entranceway, and you can drop it in there. And want to be praying for the needs of the church. So uh, that's there. But also, if you're a new time person here, first time visitor, fill that out. There's an email. If you like to get the church updates, the email updates, and you're not on that list, just write that down. We'll make sure that you get on for that. That's one announcement. Second announcement, as I'm really thankful that um, Mike McFadden was here last Sunday, and he did a great job uh, bringing you the word of God. So I was thankful for um, his service to the church that way. Again, just another reminder, Christmas Eve service is at 5.30 on Christmas Eve, one service, and then Christmas Day at 10.30, 10.30, just one service that day. And then we know that uh, a lot of you have, you know, family and different things where you go on Christmas Day and all that. But if you don't have anything, 
on Christmas Day. After the service, after the service, Stephanie and I are going to have Christmas chili here at the church. Christmas chili and soup and, and that kind of thing. So if you are around and you want to stay uh, for a little luncheon after the service on Christmas Day, there's a table out in the foyer and there's a sign up that's there so we can kind of get an idea of how many people would be coming. But um, we just want to offer that extension to you at this time. Um, let me see. I need my clicker, don't I? I've got something to show you. Is everything up and ready? Oh, there we go. That's where we were last week. Yeah, those are the four that are in Colorado. You can see the mountain range in the back there. Uh, Andy, Evan, Connor, and Adeline. Adeline. And so we had a wonderful time out there. So thankful to be able to uh, see family at times and, and make those trips. I thank you for that opportunity to do that. Um, we're looking at the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew 1 and 2 is what we're going through over the Advent season. Matthew um, points to Jesus as the King. The King has come. And so that's our theme kind of along this line. And today, I am, I'm going back to the passage of Scripture that Mike covered last week, Mike McFadden covered last week, uh, Matthew 1, 18-25. I want to piggyback off of a point that he made. And also, I, there's something uh, that I feel really strongly about is Christ, or Thanksgiving Eve service. If you were here for Thanksgiving Eve service, I talked about us and them. Us and them. And that in our world, there's a whole bunch of us and them. But in the family of God, we were talking about the family of God, in the family of God, there's supposed to be just us. Just us, not us and them, just us. And, and for that to stay that way, because us and them can creep into the church. But for that to stay that way, you have to guard against it, and you have to work against it, and you have to, you have to set up some things so that you don't get into that us and them mentality that you continue to look at the body of Christ and say, it's us. It's us together. So you have to work at that. You have to work at that. Well, I feel that same way about Christmas. Christmas has been hijacked in our world. And, and, and I think it, we are the ones that, that carry the true meaning of Christmas. We're the ones that carry that message on. And therefore, it's really important to go through these passages of Scripture and look at it really in depth and each element of the story. If we're going to keep the story alive and accurately, then then it's, it's important to go through these things. So I'm going to piggyback off of one of his points, but also give you some more of the backstory around what's happening there. So in Matthew, we started two weeks ago, and we, he did the genealogy. And in that genealogy, um, he said, this is the record of Jesus. This is the book of genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. I put it, it's the record. This is, I want to set the record straight of the origin of Jesus, the, whose name means God saves, because He is the Messiah. He is the Messiah. He's the anointed one. And He is the fulfiller of the Davidic and the Abrahamic covenants. So he, He's making a huge claim. Matthew is making a huge claim at the start of his gospel to say, I'm going to set the record straight of who this Jesus is. 
And then he walks down through the genealogy, and as we pointed out in that sermon, he brings up five different ladies' names, women's names, which make you stop and pause and think of the history behind those names. And we realize that, wow, Jesus' genealogy, one of the things is it includes the nations because not everyone in his genealogy was of the Jewish nation kind of thing. Verse 16, he ends the genealogy this way, and Jacob was the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, by whom by whom Jesus was born, who is called the Christ. And we looked at that, and it was Matthew's way of saying this one, Jesus, is born of Mary, but not of Joseph. This one that is born is born of Mary, by whom, singular, feminine, by whom of Mary, but not of Joseph. And Luke kind of does the same thing in his genealogy when he gets to uh, Joseph is the father of Jesus. It says, as was supposed. Not a definite, not a definitive statement, but as was the custom. Yes, because Joseph is there and Jesus is there, he was supposed to be the father of Jesus, the father of Jesus. So what it did was it, it helped us to realize that, wait a minute, there's a, there's a need to go deeper here. There, we, need to answer, we need to answer this question, how can this one be born of Mary, but not born of Joseph? And so that's what leads into this next passage of Scripture, Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. Now, but before we get there, again, the reason I go through this is because we get Christmas has gotten hijacked and we're the bearers of the true message of Christmas, right? So just to make my point, now play along with me, okay? Don't let me sing up here all by myself. On the first day of Christmas, my true love gave to me tree in a pear tree. Good job. I'm dreaming of a... Oh, man. Rocking around the Christmas tree at the Christmas. Yeah, Valerie's already over there going like this. Yeah. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in one horse open sleigh. Silver bells, silver bells. It's. Wow. I saw Mama kissing. Santa Claus, I know. It's the most wonderful time of the year when the weather outside is frightful and the fire is so delightful. And since there's no place to go, what do we want it to do? See, see? Rudolph the red-nosed reindeer had a very shiny. There you go. Up on the housetop, reindeer paws. Out jumps good old. See, Frosty the snowman was a jolly, happy soul with a corncob pipe and a button and two eyes made out of, yep, uh, you better watch out, you better not cry, you better not pout, I'm telling you why, yeah, Claus is coming to town, yeah, all you Elvis fans out there, all you Elvis fans, I'll have a blue Christmas without you, oh yeah, I know. There, Kate is over there going, oh, sing some more. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, this one. All I want for Christmas is my... Yeah, okay. Um, 
We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Now bring us some figgy pudding. Now bring us some figgy pudding. Yeah, and then the next verse, we won't go until we get some. We won't go until we get some. Doesn't that sound like Christmas? So <laughs> I, I just, it was just to make a point. Like, like we knew all those songs, don't we? Huh? Who's saying we won't go until we get some? I sing that every year. <laughs> I have no idea who made up that song. But even in the church, sometimes what we've done is we've, we've uh, looked at Christmas and maybe even some of the things that we've done, we focus on the star. Or we do something where we focus on the drummer boy, whoever that drummer boy is. Or we focus on the donkey. We, or we focus on maybe the scene rather than the savior. And for many people in, in our culture, and sometimes this creeps into the church, it's Christmas is all about it's a wonderful life. Rather than speaking about the wonderful life that was given. And so that's why I dig deeper into Christmas, because I want us to know every aspect of this story so that when you have opportunities to share it with others, they, wow, I didn't know that. I didn't know all that was in there. Yeah, that's all part of the story about this one named Jesus who has come. So that's, that's the reason of digging a little bit deeper into it this morning. So chapter 1, starting at verse, starting at verse 18, it says this, Now the birth of Jesus, and we learned two weeks ago, Jesus means God saves. The, the birth of this one named God saves. And then his title, Christ, Christ means Messiah, the anointed one was as follows. So again, Matthew's making a bold statement here. I'm going to set the record straight. This is how it's happened. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, let's just pause right there. Betrothal. Betrothal is different than engagement. It's kind of like engagement, but it's, it's more than engagement. Betrothal was when a Jewish man and a Jewish woman would come together for a specific ceremony. Now, they were already arranged to be married by their families, but they would come together and the man would say to the woman, uh, they, they would have this cup of wine and they would share in the cup of wine. And when he got done, he would say, I will not drink of the vine again until I am with you. Now, if that rings a bell in you, you're going, wait a minute, Jesus said that at the communion. And so you get to realize that the, the disciples are probably thinking, why is Jesus proposing to us? Yeah, but listen, what happens next? So the Jewish man says that to the Jewish woman, and then he leaves and he goes to his father. And he goes to his father's house and he starts to build a dwelling place for his bride. Yeah, what did Jesus do after he drank the cup, after he uh, died and rose on the third day and he ascended into heaven. What did he do? He went to the Father to prepare a place for his bride. Yeah. So the son that is going to get married does not leave until the Father says, everything looks good. Everything looks good. You can go get your bride. We know that from the Scriptures, don't we? That it's the Father is the one that tells the Son when to go and get the, his bride. And so he comes back and he, and he gets his bride. And that's when they have the seven day, typically a seven day celebration that they have in there and, and they're married. But during that time, they are married. 
They're considered married. They're, they, they, they dress married. They talk married. And, and if something was to happen in that time where they're separated, they're not with one another during that time. Could be up to a year to two years in time. If, if something was to happen to break it off, it was a legal doc. I mean, they had, they had to go through a divorce. It wasn't just, well, we just broke off the engagement. No, they had to actually go through a legal divorce during that time. So that kind of tells you like what the situation is. So when Matthew is writing this, he's telling us that we're in the time when Joseph is over here with his father building something for his bride, and Mary is over here waiting for that to be completed until he comes and gets her. Okay, that's the time frame. She was betrothed to Joseph before they came together. She was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And here's where Matthew starts to answer the question. How is, she, how is this one of Mary, but not of Joseph? He gives the answer. He's going to give it twice. He says, because it's of Mary, but also by the Holy Spirit. By the Holy Spirit. Now, when you look at this, you, you realize that, wait a minute, the angel first came and talked to Mary, told Mary that she was going to be with child. Then the angel told her to go see her cousin Elizabeth, and her Eliz cousin Elizabeth was six months along. And so she saw her cousin Elizabeth, and she stayed there for three months before she left and went back to town. So she's at least three months along when Matthew finds out the news that his wife, his wife is pregnant. His wife is pregnant, and they have been separated this whole time. This whole time. Now, verse twenty, or verse nineteen. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man, and this is where Mike brought this out about this righteous man, uh, and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. Righteous there means that he's an observer of divine laws. He's someone who observes divine. Laws And as Mike pointed out last week, this was prior to the dream. This was prior to the angel speaking to him that he was this way prior to that happening. He was one who took the divine laws that they were given and he was obeying them. He was observing them. And so we see that here. He's got a decision to make. What am I going to do? This wife of mine named Mary is with child and I have not been with her. What are my options according to divine laws? Well, if you go back to Deuteronomy chapter 22, you're going to see one of the options. Chapter 22 and verse 23 and 24. It's interesting, this is written thousands of years before, but you can put like Mary and Joseph's names right in there. So it says, if there is a girl who is a virgin, that would be Mary, engaged to a man, that would be Joseph, that would be Joseph, and another man finds her in the city and lies with her, then you shall bring them both out to the gate of the city and you shall stone them and they will die. And the girl, because she did not cry out in the city and the man, because he had violated his neighbor's wife, thus you shall purge the evil from among you. So there's option number one, is this fits the scenario in Deuteronomy chapter 22 that this person should be stoned. What's another option? Option number two is if you, probably just flip over to Deuteronomy chapter 24, verse 1. It says, if a man takes a wife and marries her, and it happens that she, that she finds no favor in his eyes because he found some indecency in her. Now that phrase, indecency in her, that's the one they really played with. 
They played with it so much and made it anything. So if she burnt the toast, eh, find another one. But, but the phrase actually means it's a very serious charge of sexual unfaithfulness. Okay, they, they strung that out. And he says, if they found some indecency in her, and he writes her a certificate of divorce and puts it in her hand and sends her out of his house. So there's option number two. So option number one is she could be stoned. Option number two is that quietly I hand her a certificate of divorce and send her out of the house. And so Joseph, this is Joseph's plan. But Joseph's plan is according to what? God's word. God's word. Because he's an observer of God's laws. Okay, back to our passage. Verse 20. But when he had considered this, behold, there's that word, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the one who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. There he answers that question again. How can it be of Mary, but not of Joseph? Because it's of the Holy Spirit. Now, a couple things, a couple things here. It's a dream. We'll see five dreams. Okay, that's the first mention of it. Chapter two, verse 12. And having been warned in a dream, verse 13. Now, when they had departed before the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, Verse 19, but, but when Herod died, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt. And then verse 22, at the very end of that, then, then being warned by God in a dream, he departed for the district of Galilee. The angel addresses him as Joseph, son of David, refers back to the genealogies in the Davidic line. He tells him to do not be afraid. Angels say that all the time. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be, don't be fearful. And then he gives... He gives Joseph the first command. Remember, angels only speak on behalf of God. They are only speaking the words that God has given them to speak. So God is speaking here. There's the first command that's given to him is take Mary as your wife. So basically what he's saying to him, and and remember, it's Father God who is saying this. Father God is saying, go get your wife. Don't be fearful to go now and go take your wife. You know, finish the ceremony that's there. Um, and again, of whom, again, this is by the whole, the answering the question, how is this all happening? It's not by human intervention that this, this child is to be born, but it's by God intervention. It's by a divine intervention that this will happen. Verse 21, look at the declaratives here. The angel still speaking. And she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, and he will save his people from their sins. Declaratives. These are things that are going to happen, no matter what. Second command, the first command was take, take Mary as your wife. Second command is call his name Jesus. Second thing that Joseph is told to do. And we know this happens eight days later when they do the circumcision and they name the child and you can see that in Luke chapter 2, 21. But the last thing that is given in that verse is, and he will save his people from their sins. When he says that, what he's saying is he's giving information again to his Jewish audience that this is part of what the Messiah does. This is the reason the Messiah comes, is to save his people from their sins. And I, I just gave you a handful of these here. But just to show you in the Old Testament, 
of the different times that he says this in different ways, but Isaiah 53, 6, all of us are like sheep who have gone astray, each of us to his turn to his own way, but Yahweh God has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him, to fall on him. He's take, take away the sins of the world. He takes away our sins, takes away our sins. Uh, Jeremiah 31, 31, I always love reading this passage, which is about the new covenant. It says, Behold, the days are coming, declares Yahweh God, when, when I will cut a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not like the covenant I cut with their fathers in the day I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. So that was the Exodus. My covenant, which they broke, they didn't keep the covenant, but I was a husband to them. There he says it again. He sets up this whole thing of husband and bride, husband and bride, declares Yahweh. But this covenant which I cut with my house of Israel after those days, declares Yahweh, I will put my law within them on their heart. I will write it. I will be their God and they will be my people. They will not teach again each man his neighbor and teach his man his brother saying, know Yahweh, for they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest, declares Yahweh. But I will, and here it comes again, forgive their iniquity and their sin I will remember no more. See, a major portion of this Messiah coming in was this interaction that was going to happen, that sins were going to be forgiven. Sins were going to be forgiven. Uh, Ezekiel, Ezekiel chapter 20, 36, 36. 36, starting verse 25. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your uncleanliness and from all your idols. Moreover, I will give you a new heart. I will put a new spirit within you. I'll remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you. I will cause you to walk in my statues, I will be, and you will be careful to do my judgments. There's going to be a forgiveness of sins that's going to change our lives that is coming with this Messiah. One more, Daniel 9, uh, 24. He's talking about all of time chronicling all of time when he says this verse, 70 weeks, meaning all of time, has been determined uh, for your people and for your holy city to, and he says it three ways, finish the transgression, to make an end of sin, and to make atonement for iniquity. And it says it three, three different ways to bring uh, iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the holy of holies. That's one of the things that's going to happen when the Messiah comes, he says, is this is what this Messiah is going to do. He's going to save the people from their sins. Now, we saw Joseph's plan was either stone or send her off. Now, here comes in God's plan. What is Joseph going to do with God's plan that's been unveiled also according to the Scriptures? According to the Scriptures. So we go to verse 22. And Matthew gives a little bit of a, a commentary here when he says some beautiful, I think we read them this morning in the songs, when he says, uh, now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken of the Lord through the prophet would be fulfilled saying, and I stop there because he's going to say something, he's going he's to quote a passage of Scripture, just something to note from the Gospel of Matthew. He's writing to the Jewish audience. So he refers to the Old Testament 60 plus times. Why? Because they would know it. They would know it. And, and 
and they cherish the Old Testament, and therefore when he can you know, kind of connect the dots, connect the dots for them, that, that has some validity here. Um, here's also the third command in a roundabout way. So the first command, take her as your wife. Second command, call him Jesus. Third command, fulfill spoken by the Lord. There is something in this verse that we're going to read where Joseph is going to be a part of the fulfillment of what God has said. The fulfillment of what God has said. So verse 23, here's the verse. Isaiah 7.14 is the reference. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translates means God with us. So we walk through that virgin. That's Mary's condition. They shall call. So now that's plural. So that throws Joseph into the mix there. And then Emmanuel means God with us, or another way of saying it is with us is God. With us is God. And I pointed this out a couple weeks ago, but Matthew starts his book with this listing of the genealogy, and he focuses in on the nations, the nations that are incorporated in that, which fulfills the Abrahamic covenant that would be a blessing to all the nations. Okay? And he ends his Matthew 28 with go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Nations. Well, same thing here. He starts with saying they will call him Emmanuel, God with us. And if you look at the end of the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew 28, and it ends with teaching them to observe all things, and lo, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. So he starts with the nations. He ends with the nations. He starts with God with us. He ends his gospel with God being with us. And if I could tie one more thing in there, just as Matthew was, or Joseph, Joseph was asked to be a part of the fulfillment of what God has said. If you go to the end of Matthew, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Da 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 da. We are being asked what? To be a, a, a fulfillment, part of the fulfillment fulfillment of what God has said. That fulfillment comes through His children going and making disciples. Going and making disciples. So I, I, I thought this is just interesting. Put these two words together because we got Jesus and Emmanuel. Those two different names that are there. Jesus, we know, means the God who saves. And Emmanuel is God is with us. So here, if you smash them together, the God who saves is with us. The God who saves is with us. That's the message of Christmas. That's the thing that we hold on to. That's the thing that we proclaim. That's the true meaning of Christmas, is that God, the God who saves, so there's a purpose why He's come, the God who saves is with us. And then you could probably lop onto the end and it would be totally okay, and He's coming again. The God who saves is with us. So we go to verse 23, 24. And Joseph got up from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary as his wife. He got up and did as. Here's that simple obedience. Simple obedience of Joseph. That he got up and he went from take to took. The angel told him, take her as your wife. What did Joseph do? He took her as his wife. Just simple obedience. He went and got her. Then verse 25, 
but kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Again, simple obedience here. He went from fulfilled to kept because the verse was that there will be a virgin and she will bear a child. So what did Joseph do? He kept her a virgin until she had the child. That's the way he fulfilled that passage of Scripture in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Joseph was a part of that fulfillment. And then he went from call to called. You are to call his name Jesus. And what did he do? He called his name Jesus. So take, fulfill, call, took, kept, called. Simple, simple obedience. You know, it's, and I, before I do the last slide here, how important was it that Joseph was righteous prior to the dream? How important was it a man who was observing divine laws already, already, prior to this dream where he's being given instruction through the angel, I mean, from God through the angel, how important was it that he was already righteous in the sense that he observed divine laws? You need to think about that. I think that was very important. And, I, and as you read through the Christmas story, you'll come across that phrase over and over again with different uh, figures in the Christmas story. They will talk about them being righteous, about being observers of divine law, almost like prior to God tapping them on the shoulder and saying, hey, I got something for you to do. I got something for you to do. Sometimes I think we're waiting for God to do something really big in our life. I'm waiting for something God to do something really big in our life. And I would ask you the question, are you being obedient right now? Yeah, I'll be obedient then. I will, I will fulfill whatever he says, you know. Are you being obedient in the simple things right now? Because if you're being obedient in the simple things right now, when he taps you on the shoulder, you'll be ready. You'll be ready. It's, it's the times when people are not being simply obedient right now that they question, well, what if, what if I was in that situation or like in a, in a country where, um, this is usually the scenario, you're in China and, and, and Christianity is forbidden and, and everything, and maybe you're at gunpoint, you know, I don't think I would, I don't think, I, I, I'm not sure. Most likely that person isn't being obedient right now. Because if you're being obedient, observer of God's laws now, you'll be ready. You will be. So let me end with this. Christmas is about not taking a relationship with Mary, but taking a relationship with Jesus Christ. Because God who is with us, the God who saves is with us. And He is with us to have a relationship with us. And so Christmas is about taking a relationship with Jesus. It is also about keeping His words. That we have this cherished thing called the Word of God. And, and, and it is our direction and our guide through all of our lives. And so we are to take the words of Jesus and to apply them to our lives and, and simply obey. As, as things unfold, simply obey what God's words say. And the third thing is Christmas is about 
calling Jesus our Savior. He's not just a babe in the manger. He's not just uh, later on a good teacher. He's not just, no, He's my Redeemer. He is my Redeemer. And so when we call out to people at Christmas time about the true meaning of Christmas, we're really calling out to them with this invitation that they would have a relationship with Jesus. That they would cherish and love His words that would guide them all the rest of their lives. And that, that they would call Jesus now more than just the, in the, the manger scene, that they would see Him as the Redeemer of their lives. That they would look at the cross and realize that He surrendered everything, His very life, so that we could have forgiveness of sin. And now we turn around and we respond back that we surrender our lives to Him. Our, 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 we are living sacrifices. We live out the rest of our lives in joy of being a child of God. That is Christmas. But I end with, we need to be people of simple obedience, like, like Joseph. Live according to God's Word. So that when He taps us on the shoulders, and He always taps the righteous ones on the shoulder. He doesn't, he doesn't tap on the shoulder those that are being, in the Scriptures, those that are being defiant of Him. He doesn't do that. No, he finds the ones that are obedient, and lots of times the ones that are obedient are that kind of most of the time nobodies. They're kind of like in the background. You don't hear very much about Joseph other than this time. He's gone. But he was obedient prior to the angel speaking to him. And therefore, what did he do? Simple obedience. He went from take to took. He went from fulfill to kept, and he went from call to call. So let's be people of God and be people who follow in simple obedience to what he has said. Amen? Man, let's stand and, and we'll close in our last song. But let's pray. I'll pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, thank you for your scripture this morning. Thank you for Joseph. Thank you for his life. Thank you for the way he. Um, uh, lived his life prior to uh, this intervention into his life where, where you answer the question, how can this one be born of Mary but not of Joseph? And, and displaying to him this was a, a supernatural, miraculous birth with God intervention. And this one that has been following after you continues to follow after you now. And, and, and walks in simple obedience. Lord, may we do the same. May we do the same. And I do pray, Lord, this Christmas that we would have opportunity to share the true meaning of Christmas, that we hold on to it in the midst of a world that is, is creating a whole other atmosphere about Christmas. To say, no, Christmas is about that the God who saves is with us. And, and He is coming again. And He's the one that I that I worship not only at Christmas time, but I I live my life in light of him all the year through. Do you know Jesus? Do you know this one who came to save us from our sins? That's what Christmas is all about. Lord, we give this time to you in thy precious name. Amen. Amen. Let's sing this closing song. Amen. One last time. All glory be to Christ our King. 
having the Chamberlains up here and their children did it want uh, just reciting some of those verses and also John thank you so much for just sharing that testimony this morning praise the Lord can we give praise to God for that amen amen, amen. amen. as John gently claps his hands yeah there may the blessings of God be upon you as you depart from here have a great week everyone